Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. For the third week in a row, it's a victory podcast as I rehash the game with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, after Washington's 17-15 win over Seattle. We talk about the run game, the defense, can they sustain this effort, some obstacles they're going to face this week, and much more. Yes, as of now, they'd be in the playoffs and they're only two games behind Dallas. But so much more work remains. You can follow Bram on Twitter at RealBramW, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. Look for more stories on the Washington football team Tuesday or Wednesday. Or you can check out my story on linebacker Jamin Davis and his college teammate Chris Oates, who suffered a stroke in the spring of 2020. It's a story about their relationship, how that tragedy for Oates helped spur Davis to becoming a first-round pick, and what Oates is facing now. And for the podcast, I'll play my conversation with Davis this Wednesday. But now, let's get to my conversation with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. Bram, I don't know about you, but you know, you start to write a story and you think because it's going a certain way, and then it goes a different way and you're sitting there saying, what the hell is going on? As an announcer, you're calling this game, what's it like there in the final couple minutes? Because you think it's a win, then you think it's maybe overtime. What's going on? Well, I knew after the two-point play that Seattle got to tie the game, I think I said something right before the half. I'm like, this one's going to end weird because you just knew it. <laughs> you know, it's just This one yeah. had the weird vibes all over it, and it was probably the third, third and one that they couldn't convert where I was like, this is going to have a bizarre ending. Like it just, it just is, it should have been over, but they don't have a kicker and they should have been blowing them out. I mean, go look at the stats. He should have been blowing them out. And then 97 yards, they hadn't gained 97 yards in three quarters, you know, and like 97 yards, no timeouts. And of course that first flag came, I went, Oh my God, here we go. And well, I thought, that for, point where it was going. yeah, I knew where it was going. And I thought for sure when they got, you know, lined up for the two point conversion, they were going to tie it. And then it didn't, then the crazy onside kick, then we were totally confused about why they didn't get the recovery. That was, that was nuts. It really was nuts. But you know, even on that two point conversion, because the one thing that's impressed me during this three game winning streak is how this team has setbacks during the game. And Nothing has gone perfectly for them. And that two-point conversion at the end of the first half is an example. But even after that drive, I kind of still felt feels like they're going to make a play because that's what they've done. That's kind of the team they've been creating these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess I think, you didn't share that optimism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm you know, you know me. I'm very optimistic. And even when it was, like, ugly early in the season, I was like, Long season, you know, they turned it around last year. I can vouch for that. Yeah, like they turned it around last year. You know, I do think they have a very good team. In fact, I think they have a deep team. I think they have a versatile team. And I could never imagine after the first month that their defense would play as poorly the entire season. So, you know, I was hanging on to some hope that things would turn for them. Schedule was ugly, though, for sure. Looked really ugly. And, you know, here they are playing better. 
And honestly, you know, this is the second time in three weeks that I don't think the score is really emblematic of how badly they beat the other team. And I include Tampa on that. Like, they finished them off late um, with that long drive, but it's the same thing. Just go look at the box score of that game, and you won't believe that game was actually that close. And tonight, the fact that Seattle had a chance to tie and then potentially even get it back and win, it would have been one of the most ridiculous, lopsided, lucky wins of all time. Honestly, it would have been. Because they had no business even being in it, and that score is not even remotely close to how badly Washington beat them tonight. What's going on here? Like, why do you think they've been able to... Listen, they were down to their fourth center. You know, Curtis Stanley will play, but he wasn't a factor outside of one play, and he had 10, 15 snaps. Logan Thomas helped, but they don't have their starting defensive ends. Why do you think they've been able to sustain this? I would describe their MVP as the offensive line in its entirety this year. That the depth along their offensive line, their ability to, with limited exceptions, like when Sadiq Charles played right tackle, he was exposed in Denver. That is one of the limited exceptions of moments where under almost any other circumstances, a unit would break. And for some reason, this one hasn't. And the depth along the line, I think the coaching along the line must be credited here. Um, The resiliency of the team, which has happened now two years in a row, it's going to get tested again. Honestly, this is a huge ask this weekend to play Monday night fly across the country, be as beat up as they are, and play. And everyone's going to look at the Raiders and think that that's a win. A team that's going to have had 11 days rest. This is going to be a massively difficult task. And honestly, if they go and win, I don't care what you think of the Raiders. If they go and win this one, it will be as telling about this team as anything that they've done in the first two years because the schedule did them no favors short week, fly across the country, play a team that played four days earlier than them. Come on, man. Like that's crazy. If you're, if you're in the NBA, this is what they would call a schedule loss. Yes. Well, they got a few of them. Yeah, they they do because coming up, it's it's, other teams are going to be more rested. And so that is a tough, it's not impossible, but it is, it makes it tougher. And, but you know what? Let's go back to the one thing you talked about because it showed again tonight. That depth is con- continues to help them on that offensive line. And they started to build this, and Rivera talked about this afterwards, but you and I talked about this on your radio show earlier in the day. They started building that two years ago when Rivera first got here, he and Kyle Smith. That first offseason frenzy was a lot about building depth. And people listening, please remember this when it comes to frenzy this year, and if they don't sign a big-name guy in the first hour or the first day or the first two days, because what that what they've done the last couple of years when in free agency really is build that depth, and you have you have the examples of line Cornelius Lucas, um, Charles Leno, you, Eric Flowers was a trade, um, Wes Schweitzer was a big was a big get, you know drafting Keith Ismail, that's all depth, and you don't and then you have to credit Matsko with developing those guys and. You see them working a lot after practice. The young guys, the, the guys who aren't playing, you, you know, that's how you're going to develop and you're going to work them after practice. You're going to work them before games to, to, to get, you know, techniques, et cetera. So when they go in there, they're ready. Keith, Keith Ismail 
He's our fourth center. He went in there and he was ready. And Bram, like that depth has been a big, big reason and understated reason because they're not doing with stars. They're doing it with depth. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to, um, it's funny, like, one of them predates this administration, but the three big signings that they've had, Curtis Samuel, who, you know, has barely played in the first year that he's been here. William Jackson, who was widely criticized for how he played early in the year. Landon Collins, who predates them. One of the most widely criticized. Those are the three big money deals they've done over the last few years, short of signing their own guys, Chase Roulier, Logan Thomas, John Allen. But those formed for them and got big money deals, you know, internally. What have been the hits for them? Wes Schweitzer, DeAndre Carter, Thomas initially, J.D. McKissick, Taylor Heineke, Charles Leno, Eric Flowers. It's all of these bargain, nothing transactions that, you know, you write about because you cover the team, but doesn't even make the front page of ESPN.com because no one's paying any attention to it. And it's made them deeper and they've hit on so many of them, like that's really the most amazing part of it. And that's probably more a testament to coaching, leadership, fundamentals, you know, culture change that they talked about, that this team is hanging in there, like totally hanging in there. And like, I don't, what was the John Allen line? Like, I don't want to, what was it? I don't want to reward a fish for swimming or something oh, like that. that. Yeah. You don't, yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 hate, he, what he said is, he, uh, I still think I hate losing, hate losing more than I like winning. You're supposed to win. That's what we do. You don't reward a fish for swimming. Yeah, it's a great line. It I is a great line, that. and it's also look. They're five and six. Like again, there's no parades for that. You know, I like I appreciate what they're doing, but they aren't the Buccaneers or the Chiefs. You know, like that's not who they. They're not the nine and two Cardinals. Like that's not what they are. But I do appreciate this. They are building something here. This is the second year in a row that they've like totally turned around what looked like a lost cause. They're playing their best ball now. Meaningful football in December. Dallas is careening here, so all of a sudden, everything's back on the table again. Two games back. Yeah, two games back. Haven't played them yet. Get them in a couple of weeks. There's obviously a bad, you know, situation going on down there right now with the virus. You know, so, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm hoping, you know, everything's fine with those guys. Right. But, you know, still, you know, that, bad timing. They're playing in a few days. I don't know who they're missing. Their coach is going to be there. Like, all of a sudden, that game in December is looming real large when about a month ago, I thought it was going to be a nothing burger. So, you know, I appreciate the resiliency. I appreciate that this is, you know, this feels completely different than the previous administration and a number of the others does feel like it's building again, but they did dig a deep hole and not unlike last year. Like, I don't think we should be celebrating five and six. I appreciate the way they're playing, but like, that's what they are. And that right now is barely in the playoffs. Right. And, but I will say, like, one of the names you brought up was Landon Collins. And he's done a really good job. And it, and it, it took a few weeks, I think, before people noticed that he was playing a different role. Um, and they, of course, don't want to use the word linebacker, but it's not really a linebacker. It's a hybrid because he does both. But his play at safety and t- teamed with Cam Curl has been a major asset for them. And I know Cam got, had the penalty and whatever, um, dropped a pick. But he's been really good this year, and those two together are, I think, a 
are a reason why this defense has improved. I agree. Uh, like, well, I mean, we all kind of like us novices who follow us from the outside, but screaming and yell at those two guys need to be near the line of scrimmage for a while now that like, that's, that's where they're better served. That's where they make plays and they could force the issue a little bit faster. And in Colin's case, I would just say to him, and this started back in the spring where I'm like, just don't call him a linebacker. Just, just call it something, whatever the label is that makes him happy. Who cares? You know, like call it something else. But like, what's Jamal Adams? Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? He's I don't know. You tell me. What, what's right. Derwin James? What's Derwin James? Like, I don't know. You tell me what he is. Landon Collins, same thing for this team. So like, if we start if we start categorizing him with Derwin James and Jamal Adams, is he happy now? You know, like, because that's yeah. what he's doing for them. He's making those type of plays. Yeah. No, he, and, and that's exactly what he's doing. And, you know, the one thing that with Cam Curl, too, Cam has more versatility because he can play deep than what Landon did. Um, but you can you can sometimes a lot, you know, it's like who's going to drop to middle, who's going to – who may come up closer to the line, right? So there are different ways you can disguise because of them. But it's a big reason. I think Bobby McCain's done a nice job back there. But those two in particular have really stepped up. And Kendall Fuller has been terrific the last about four games or so. And, you know, and I think that's been – he did a really nice job on DK Metcalf when he was masked on him. I think I thought he matched his physicality. And then even that one deep one that they threw to, to DK, Kendall didn't let him get, did not let himself get boxed out. And that's why that ball wasn't completed. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a really good job by that secondary. Offensively, Antonio Gibson, were you surprised at the success they had on the ground against this defense? Because that defense coming in was really good against the run. Um, not particularly. No, I was not surprised. This is a very different Seattle team. They give up a ton of yards, just a ton. And not on the ground though. Yeah. Oddly, you can't score on them. (laughs) We learned that one again. Oddly, you can't score on them. So whatever they're doing in the red zone, they're great. You know, whatever it is that they figured out in the red zone that are shutting people down, they're great there, but I'm not surprised because they were committed to it against Tampa and nobody runs on Tampa and they had a modest amount of success, but it worked for them. They ran it last week and I really think their biggest strength is going to be their versatility. Now that said like three straight drives ended in third and ones not being converted. And honestly, if any one of them were, and then resulted in a obviously a touchdown because they couldn't kick a field goal tonight, but on any other you know normal occasion, they never would have been in a game with this team. They ripped that team's soul out, but for some reason they failed on these third and shorts. And if it wasn't for that tonight, this game never would have been in doubt, never would have been close, never would have had the ending that it had. One thing I'm going to go ahead and just step back one second about Cam Curl. Very unusual. At the end of Logan Thomas's press conference, he said, I just want to say one thing. And you wonder, what the hell is he going to say? He's like, Cam Curl is the top five safety in this league. He's like, go watch the film. And he's like, it was unprompted, which which just tells you the respect that that guy has in the locker room. And I, I've always been a fan of that guy. And I, I think he's a very smart player. But anyway, going back to the run game, and one of the things that I think there are a couple things have helped there. Bates' is blocking has been very good. I feel like the motion does a really good job um, at times of, one, changing gaps, but also freezing linebackers. And you saw that one time on like an eight or nine yard run by Gibson where they send Carter in motion and you see Bobby Wagner 
his first step back is his first step is back and he's on the back side. And so by doing that and he hesitates, it allows Gibson to run over the left side and Wagner eventually makes a tackle, but because of how he has to hesitate, it's eight or nine yards downfield. So they've been having a lot of success with that too. So I like the style of runs that they're using, right? There's, there's a lot of physical play, but there's also some good design as well. And then, and, you know, last year at the end of the year, I was talking to some people in the league and about this offense. They're like, well, what do they do well? What is it that they can hang their hat on? They, what, what is it when it's in the, late in the game? What are you going to go to? What we know now, it's the run game. And this is what, you know, we had talked before earlier in the year. Like I had, this is a team that needed to run the ball to have an identity and they're doing so. And I, I give yeah. them a lot of credit for sticking with it. So, you know, it's, it's been nice to see that style of ball. They're really versatile. There's doesn't seem to be any divas around. Everybody's seemingly very supportive of one another. It doesn't really matter who goes in and out. I mean, like, go look at those shots on the sideline of DK Metcalf tonight. Something's up. <laughs> Something's wrong there. And I even came in, though, tonight, and, like, you look at Russell Wilson, you look at a guy like Metcalf, stud players, and you go, well, that could be a difference because these are, you know, massive difference-making players. But I looked at them and I went, well, if Russ doesn't look like he did, you know, pre the finger injury, and I think they needed to test whether he was going to be healthy or not, really, who are you scared of on that team? I wasn't scared of their run game. I'm not scared of their tight ends. I mean, Everett's been targeted a lot, but he's a pedestrian player. He's like, fine. You're not scared of anything, but Metcalf and Lockett, that's it. Like, that is literally it, like, coming into it. And with Washington, I, I mean... Frankly, you know, they're under the radar. It's probably good for them, but they could hurt you with a lot of people, like a lot on any given play. They can really hurt you. And I think that's to their advantage. They're a lot more balanced. And it's not, it's not even that they're great players that are doing that. It's just more balanced. Right. You can throw. But yeah. Carter's got speed. Watch out. Samuel's now running around back there. Gibson is shifty and can move, and in the open space is devastating. McKissick's turned into an incredible pro receiving running back. Hopefully he's okay. McLaurin's a killer. There are, on any given play, four or five guys on the field at the same time that can hurt you, and you don't know where the ball is going. And it plays to their advantage, and you know, I, good on them because – they're shuffling people in and out. So the idea that they'd have timing or chemistry or any of that stuff is really a testament to they're kind of hanging in there with all of these moving parts and somehow keeping the train running on time. Did you happen to catch Trustway's press conference after the game? I did not. I heard about it. <laughs> I did not. He's I also saw it. I also saw. Yeah, I mean, well, he's a comedian, and I saw uh, I saw Ron Rivera. <laughs> cursing walking off the field and then saw his little speech in the locker room. So boy, he's back engaged into it. That's for sure. Yeah. Let's bleep and go. Yeah. Hey, listen, you've got three in a row. And but I think because they're playing the style that they, that they envisioned at the beginning of the year, again, defense run game, but this is who they envisioned themselves to be at the end of, or who they thought and hoped they would be at the end of training camp. Um, you know, and, and for anybody wondering with, there's a couple of things with J.D. McKissick we don't know. We ha we had the – Ron Rivera did not have enough updates, so we'll get one for you later on Tuesday. Maybe even – I don't know if that will get a final one, but we'll know something more on Tuesday. And then Joey Sly the same. And one thing that Rivera said is he was not going to kick yeah. because he did not like – you know, Kyle Allen would have, would have to have been the holder. 
He did not like how they looked in terms of operation when he, when he talked to Nate Katzer, the special teams coach. But Tress said that he thought he could make a 20-yarder and that he could 30-ish would have been, would have been okay. Um, but, you know, I think I think everybody's happy that it didn't come down to him <laughs> needing him to do it. But that's why, you know, so – but it's that two-pointer that they got with Gibson was the difference in the game, you know? And, yeah. and they, didn't, they didn't need it. But it's just – it's just another example of, of where I think this team is at. What do you think going down the stretch here? Can they sustain this? I don't know. I mean, I just, they're so beat up and clearly they're going to have to get another kicker now. So hopefully, you know, whatever, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's turning around and kicking for them in five days. So, you know, I, they have to go find a kicker. He, he, he went down in a hurry, man. Yeah. That means it's popped. Yeah, you would, you would yeah. Think. We don't so, know, but that's what you would think. Yeah, so they got to get another kicker, and we've been down this road that that hasn't worked out the first time they went around. And, and he was doing yeah, well for them. He hadn't missed. <laughs> he hadn't missed up until that block. Yeah, he he hadn't well. missed. And that block wasn't his fault. That was that was that was more of the protection. So like. yeah, so you know they'll have to find another kicker. I, I you know listen, I'm glad to see that McKissick looks like he's okay, but. Is he playing this week? I don't know. You know, we'll see. They're down to a fourth center now. So let's see how bad the Schweitzer injury is. This turnaround sucks. I mean, really, it does. And the NFL did them no favors here. And it's obtuse, honestly. Like, that team would be playing on a Thursday. They're playing on a Monday night. And then they're the home team. I mean, come on. Like, (laughs) like this that stuff can't happen. I Like, come on. it's patently unfair. And so this is a monumental game for them. I, people are going to, I know, I already know what's going to happen. And people are going to start, they're all excited and they think they're just going to go out there and win because the Raiders are, you know, have been up and down and really average for the most part over the last month. And like, oh, we're just be looking ahead to that Dallas game. I'm telling you, this is going to be probably the most impressive win they have all year if they pull it off. Because of the circumstances yeah. around it, like you're asking a lot of these guys, like they were in the Carolina game, the Tampa game was the most violent game I've seen them in in a long time. Carolina game was rough too. That was kind of a that was a homecoming. That was an energetic game. First half of this one was really violent too. I thought the life was sucked out of Seattle in the second half, and I, I, they never should have been in it in the second half. Now they got to turn around and do this again. This goes back to. The hole felt too big this time to me. That is, unless Dallas is going to careen off of a cliff. And if they are, then then everything's on the table for them. And But this is the one where everybody can't read their headlines tomorrow because they're going to turn around and catch a rested team at this time of year. That ain't right. And so they're going to have to circle the wagons big time to pull this thing off this weekend. And I agree with that, but the way they're playing, this is the, this is why I always go back to the resiliency and their mindset, because this is a mindset game. But you're right, that this is a really, really this was a bad job of scheduling by the NFL. And you know, you don't want to give don't like giving somebody excuses and you can't use it as that if you're if you're Rivera, you say, Hey, listen, this is a challenge and go and go meet it. But it, it certainly is not an ideal um, situation no. for, for any team. No, not, and not it's going to happen age. again the following week when Dallas comes here. They're playing on Thursday night, and they're going to come around on 10 days rest. I mean, like, it's it's absurd, honestly, that that's it. And then they're going to play Philadelphia off a of bye week. Like, that's ridiculous, like, at this time yeah. of year that that would happen back to back to back like that. Yeah, and you know what? I didn't, I didn't even think about it in those terms until you tweeted something about that 
a few days ago, I was like, holy shit, you're right. You know, and, and that's, yeah. it just, it makes it a lot tougher, but it, and it does, it makes it tough because when you're playing a physical style like this, now defensively, they'll be, they, they were going to, they're going to go into Sunday pretty rested because they only played 19 minutes. Yeah. But it does take that offensive style, that physical style does take a toll um, if you're playing in these kind of situations. But, yeah. You know, I, and look, I, I mean, I think it's Oakland is real. I mean, Oakland, Las Vegas is they're They can be very explosive. It's possible. We don't know now. They don't have Darren Waller. That's a big difference. And they may catch a break there because he got a knee injury. They're calling him week to week. They're not saying he's out, but he may not play. And they're catching an enormous break if he doesn't play. He's such a huge part of what they do. And so, listen, I, I get it. Like, you know, there's everybody has specific advantages. All I'm saying is I don't like this turnaround, especially if Vegas was coming here, I'd feel differently about it. The fact that we're right. flying over there after they played, come on. Like, that, how that slipped through the cracks is patently ridiculous but whatever no excuses and again it would the fact the part it doesn't change is the games they left on the field new orleans denver and you know to some degree green bay in my mind had they won any of those this wouldn't be the dire feeling that is attached to all of these things so it's on them that they dug the hole that they dug and so that's why i'm like i'm not excusing them i'm just pointing out I really think everybody who's, you know, locked in and watching what's going on here to pay very, very, very close attention to this game because getting through this one is going to be as hard as anything that they've had all year. Absolutely. And of all those games you just mentioned, the Denver one is the one that sticks with me because self-inflicted loss, when you look at it, in part because they cut Dustin Hopkins for a guy who had never kicked and and he clearly wasn't ready to kick. If they had cut him for for Joey Sly, good move. Sly was pretty good. But for Blewett, that was a guy who two kicks blocked in that game, and that and that that's a that's a decision that could haunt them the rest of the year. But doesn't have to if you go out there and win. But it does, like like you said, they don't have a lot of margin for error right now, and that's where it gets difficult. But you know what, Bram, December is going to be interesting. And a few weeks ago, would you have thought that? No, not really. I mean, going into the bye, I didn't know what to expect coming out of it. I didn't expect this. This is what they were at this time last year, and I just didn't see it coming this time. So I'm happy it's happening. I love riding the Heineke train. The fact that they scored 17 points and won in a late November game ought to tell you something about the medal of the team. It's the first time this year that they won a game where they didn't score at least 27. So the defense has really come around here. And so, I, you listen, there's a lot to like, obviously. They're extremely competitive. They're totally bought in. Um, I, I think they have one too many injuries and one too many losses, in my opinion. But I'm not putting anything past them at this point. And all of a sudden, you know, they are playing a couple of teams that aren't exactly going the right way. So, you know, maybe maybe the results will continue to fall in their favor. And the, and the last thing for me, Brandon, is the one thing I wanted to see in the second half of the year was compete. Go out there and compete and finish strong. And because I think if you do that, regardless if they get or not, and you want to, see, you know, obviously fans, you want to see them get in. But even if they don't, you at least have, again, developed a certain style of play and a certain um, approach and expectation. And so I think those are things that come from this kind of situation. I don't think, I don't think this team's going to be happy if they finish like eight and nine and they don't get in. I don't think they're going to be happy about how they finish. They'll look at like what they blew earlier to not get in there. So, We'll see. But again, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. And that's that's really a lot more than what people thought would happen a few weeks ago. So 
Graham, thanks a lot for joining me, and we'll see you out in Vegas. All right, see you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Bram for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode Wednesday. Talk to you next time.